0: As a mom with two teenagers, saying, uh, I'm starting a business is not what I'm supposed to be doing at this point. I'm supposed to be thinking about other kinds of things. So, tremendous financial risk. I like to tell folks, you know, my seed round was I sold my house.
1: I am an entrepreneur. Be inspired. We are incredibly powerful. Colour outside the line. Open your mind. Dream big. Be bold. Take action. The narrative needs to change. We can fix this. We can change this. I know we can. Think broad. Think like a broad. Think broad. I'm Kelly Hoey, host of Broad Mike. I speak with the most accomplished entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders about the issues that matter in building a business. You will get the inspiration as well as the picks and shovels you need to become a better entrepreneur. Today, I'm in the Broadmike Studio with Aileen Gemma Smith, the co-founder of Visilytics Technology, a New York data company bringing the information access gap between government and citizens, businesses, and communities, well, bringing it closer, bridging it, crossing it, eliminating it. Uh, we're going to be talking with Aileen about developing a product for small businesses with government data. Lots of initiatives out there over that, so look for good insights from Aileen. Building out Vizalytics' founding team and co-founding the company with her husband. Welcome, Aileen. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here. So, tell us more about what Visualytics does. What's the problem you're solving?
0: So, the problem that we're solving is information is powerful but not if you can't have access to it. And we see the digital divide as a huge problem that needs to be solved. Um, I'm all about making a difference for Main Street and local businesses. So we saw an opportunity with open government data to say, here's how we can bring the right information to the right people at the right time. We've got a product for local shopkeepers. It's called Mind My Business. It's live in New York, Chicago, closed beta in Seattle with San Francisco and several other cities to follow after that. We've got over 3,000 users all totaled. Um, And folks love it because we let them know everything that's happening outside and around their business that makes a difference to their bottom line.
1: So give us an example of what, like, if I was a bodega owner on the Lower East Side, how is Mind My Business going to help me?
0: I'm going to let you know when that sidewalk shed is going up or when it's coming down. I'm going to let you know when the DOT is going to break up the street. I'm going to let you know whether or not anybody's rang from 311 to complain about your business and if you're at risk for a fine. And I'll keep you up to date on changing regulations. So if the 10 cent bag rule actually comes into play, I'll let you know what you need to do about it and when that goes into effect.
1: So these are like really practical day-to-day things that affect the bottom line of a sh- small you know shop owner absolutely who's who you know those things like you know one fine or you know having your store overstaffed and yeah. then find out the roads ripped up and you've got no customers I mean that can be I'm gonna say life and death kind of decisions
0: absolutely for folks that are on super tight margins that does make the difference because $200 here $400 there in some cases it's the difference between did I make payroll can I pay this month's rent so a lot of shopkeepers really appreciate, like, you're giving me specific, you're giving me precise to my business, you're letting me know what I need to know, and then you're getting out of my way so I can do what I love.
1: That's, like, so helpful. So helpful. But, let, okay, let's, I want to talk more about all of this, and we're going to get into all, but let's uh, take a step back. What factors do you think influenced you to become an entrepreneur?
0: So, um, a long time ago, uh, <laughs> when, I worked at, when I worked at larger companies, um, the feedback that I always got was, you think too big and you care too much. And I, I kind of took that like, well, I actually want to solve these problems. I'd like to do things about that. So, I was driven to make a change. Um, but really, what was guiding... i just
1: going to pause you there. That's got to be the funniest thing, that those, are crit- those were like criti- criticisms in, in like performance feedback you think too big and you care too much
0: <laughs> stop being visionary <laughs> just just do this little part here and, and don't worry about these kind of things it's like but we could do more um and I was frustrated that it's like no no just just don't care about this kind of thing I'm like but I want to care about stuff and I'm willing to make those commitments um so yeah that's uh, in some ways I consider myself always an entrepreneur because I'm always figuring things out
1: that's that's phenomenal so what was the what was the origin story for Vizalytics. So, what, the, was, what was that like, aha, I have to do this? So
0: the aha that I had to do it was two-part. On the one hand, I was, you know, like six-figure salary, life is great. And I'm saying, I, I really don't want to make six figures like doing Excel spreadsheets and not being invested or being explicitly told, don't care about what you're focusing on. I wanted to do something different. So I said, all right, if you're not if you're going to make a change, like commit to it and do it. Um, then there was this, uh, shall we say, weather event that hit my hometown, which was super storm Sandy. Um, and that was really the driving between why we needed to do something for small businesses and how I said, well, small businesses need this information. They're on super tight margins. They're on immensely tight deadlines. And nobody's making tools for them because it's not a sexy problem. And it's a really hard problem. I said, well, I think too big and I care too much, so let's go solve this problem. And your hometown is? Staten Island. So um, we got hit hard by Hurricane Sandy. I stood with a neighbor of mine when they knocked down a house. HPD came down because, you know, I saw shopkeepers, they had six feet of water in the store and it's you you don't forget that like they're saying you got to say we got to do something and that's really what drove me to say we can make a difference because you know I'm a content person it's like the information is all there nobody's assembled it for you and nobody's been willing to say let me provide it to you in the context that you need understanding and honoring the fact that you're kind of busy with
1: other stuff too and that's what we decided to build amazing amazing um I want to say, what were risks that were – what were the risks for you? What were the personal risks for you in starting a company?
0: Personal risks for me. So um, as a mom with two teenagers saying uh, I'm starting a business is, is not what I'm supposed to be doing at this point um, – I'm supposed to be thinking about other kinds of things. So tremendous financial risk. Um, I like to tell folks, you know, my seed round was I sold my house. Um, that's a line on the table. And when you think about your co-founder and your CTO also happens to be your husband, there is no fallback second salary. Here's what we can do. You know, go play entrepreneur. And if it doesn't work, there you go. It's like, no, nah, actually, we are all in this. And if we don't work it out, well, <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to have some really hard problems. Um, but it was that kind of commitment. And having the support of family to do this was tremendous. Because on one hand, my boys look at me like, okay, we don't have the usual mom. Um, but on the other hand, they also look at me like, well, yeah, of course she's going to start a business. And they're kind of gender blind to mom is a woman CEO. It's like, mom's a CEO. Does it matter that she's a woman? And I love the fact that they're blind in that way. Um, and they don't think of it in that way. But, yeah, it was that was a big risk and a big commitment from a financial point of view, sure.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to say – there are also two, you're living, breathing, air all of these stresses yep. with your husband. Yep. And your and, and and your sons, but with your husband. And so, you know, the one of these, like, really important personal relationship is also the business partner.
0: Absolutely. And you want to have a really strong relationship. So in that sense, I consider myself supremely privileged. Chris and I had actually worked together for a year before we were us. So our relationship actually started in the context of work where, you know, he was the senior director of software engineering and I was, you know, content manager. And, you know, I have got to figure out how these content model works. And he's, you know, doing these updates to the pipeline. It was like we wanted to solve problems together and that was sort of what drove us uh, and then a typo on I am made us become us like, oh wait wait a minute wait time out we like each other here okay th- there could be something in this um, and we just kind of kept going forward from there but, it, but it's kind a typo strong-
1: how did you meet your spouse a typo in I am I've never
0: <laughs> well that's how the whole Relationship started like you spelled my name wrong, and I made a flirty comment back, and then I was like, "Oh wait, there's there's some heat going on here. This could be something." Um, and we already knew each other because we'd worked together so long, and you know, like same shared
1: colleagues and stuff. So it was great. It was like you started a relationship right in the middle. I think maybe I'll start being being less of a jerk when I see a typo. Maybe that'll improve my dating life. That's good. I'm. Thank you. I neither never, us, never. Neither of us were looking.
0: And if you ask me, I'd be like, no way, no how, and suddenly there you go. So
1: uh, I love it. So. Any pivots today?
0: pivot. So the very first version of our product was really, really ugly um, and had a terrible name. It was called BizVisor, which is like you don't let the engineer and the content person come up with names. Um, so our designer, who's been, you know, amazing UX lead, came to us and said, wow, you need my help. And he joined, <laughs> And he joined the team. So part of the pivot was like, I understand people and what they want, but what I don't know how to do is build out that UX functionality. And one of the key things in growing a team and building a company, I think, is to understand, know what you know and then bring amazing people around you who can do things that you can't or who can do certain things better than you can to say, boom, we want to go forward, we want to scale, we want to grow. I need more than just us to be able to do this.
1: What about, uh, say, co-founder relationships? Any any advice or guidance uh, to uh, other entrepreneurs on how you negotiate and navigate A co-founder relationship? Yeah.
0: um, I think having a shared vision is tremendously important. Um, Chris and I are, again, very privileged in that we have different skill sets and different kinds of things. He wants to build the tech. He wants to build the IP. You know, leave him in code land, and he is happy. I love working with people. I love doing biz dev. I love understanding how to work with whether it's investors, whether it's channel partners or other folks, what do they need? So there's no like mm, friction over who's taking each other's pie. So having those separate things is important, but also um, knowing how to problem solve, tremendously valuable because um, every, every company that I know has had hard times. And, you know, when, when things are sailing, it's like, wow, we're great. Um, but when you really want to understand a team, look at what happens to them in tough times. How they deal wh- and how they problem solve and how they say, what are we going to do? The math is ugly. You know, the numbers aren't coming in. What do we do? How you work through those together is tremendously foundational. So make sure you have good relationships.
1: Yeah, I would say in the good times you can sort of brush problems under the rug.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like a marriage. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you can say from that, you know, <laughs> kind of,
0: but, you know, like, what's the vision for the company and what do you want to do? And it's not a blame game. If there are challenges, it's a, well, what do we do now? And a lot of times you do sometimes see friction with folks, but I think the companies that last are the ones that say, here's how we look beyond, and that communicate to the rest of their team, as well as to any investors and board members and what have you, we are in this to solve together as different from it's a power struggle or it's just mired in your fault, my fault, et cetera.
1: Such good advice. So you've already mentioned part of this. Uh, the f- initial funding for your company was selling your home. So yep. bootstrapping. Yep. People wonder what bootstrapping is. That's what, it, that's what we mean. Um, when did you decide to go for outside capital?
0: Um, excellent question. Uh, we were starting to look into that as, you know, Runway is finite. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to think about, well, what are you going to do and how are you going to make that last? And we were really privileged to go through 500 Startups. Definitely recommend them. Um, not all accelerator programs are created equal. We loved what 500 offered to us in terms of the opportunity, not just the capital um, that came in, but really uh, the community that is 500. So uh, they talk about 500 Strong and that's not just a little fun hashtag. It's actually the community of founders that support each other as well as the mentors that are there in the 500 network as well as like the program founders and advisors who are absolutely there to offer your support. And actually in the long term, that matters a heck of a lot more than a check uh, for a certain amount because money can always be spent. Um, but relationships take a long time to build and you really have to build them in a thoughtful way.
1: The questions someone thinking, uh, you know, if startup founder listening to this, what, what, what are the questions they should be asking themselves or asking um, an accelerator, you know, in terms of considering doing one of those programs?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's also why do you want to do this, right? So. Not all programs are created equal, for sure. But what do you want to get out of that program? And it's not just hey, they give us twenty thousand dollars or seventy five thousand dollars. But what are you really looking to do with that program? And what are you looking to do to grow your company? Because there are some folks that don't necessarily need to take on outside investment, and that's not wrong. You know, that's you, great. <laughs> if you can bootstrap a business and you've got independent revenue and like you know your bottom line is you're like bringing in two million dollars, like I am cheering you on, and that is awesome. And folks shouldn't say like oh that's a lifestyle business, like somehow that's like lower caliber, like no those are folks that are working really hard there's a time and place for bringing in outside capital and a time and place not to you got to figure out where you fit in that spectrum and the other thing is never walk into an accelerator like oh we can only build this if you give us this check like no here's what we're doing regardless going forward and here's where i think you bring value so do your homework talk to other founders that have been through there and really think about what makes sense for you
1: yeah, when, you know, which, which is the accelerator family that you're joining? Because this is right. not just like a th- three or four month time period. This is like, where can I build the foundation? The fa- where can I accelerate and, and, and have a stronger foundation to what I'm already doing?
0: Correct. And it has to be the right one for you, right? 500 totally made sense for us. May not make sense for another entrepreneur. So don't look and say like, oh, I didn't get into this one. It's not good enough. It's like, no, no. Did you get into the right one for you? Did it take you forward where you need to be? Boom. Because five years from now, you're the one who wakes up with those decisions that I did this or I didn't do this. Make the decisions that you can go to bed with.
1: I'm just sitting here thinking I'll have to, you know, see about a podcast with Dave. I know it'll have some sort of explicit warning
0: on it that day that that happened. I will recommend it. I will recommend it.
1: <laughs> no, Dave's a great guy, and he's a straight shooter. Oh, yes, he he's been absolutely fantastic. He's seen it all, and and phenomenally supportive of, of diversity. Um, in you know, you just need to look at the five hundred startups. Por- um, I want to say portfolio companies.
0: Yeah, and they did diversity before it was cool. They yeah, just yeah. did it because it's practical
1: and it's a good investment. Yeah, yeah, smart investment. All right, you recently made some new hires. What, yes. do you, what advice do you have for other? Founders who are kind of getting that point, they're going to build out their, build out their teams. Absolutely. Hire slowly, fire quickly.
0: Um, take your time and thinking about, is this the right person that brings the right kind of energy to the team, right? Just because the resume is perfect doesn't mean, okay, if we're working together 10, 12, 14 hours, is this a person that brings the right kind of energy and spirit to the team? I'm really grateful for the folks that we have and who are here with us in this, you know, mad journey as we're growing and going forward. But it is, um, It's a thoughtful process in terms of bringing on the right people that share an internal sense of of values that you all have. And and by that, I, I mean company culture isn't about, hey, we've got, you know, ping pong and beer Fridays. Culture is about, okay what are we all doing together? How are we understanding of one another's sort of life and context? But also, what do we really want to do together?
1: Who are the major competitors for you? mm I love that question.
0: Um, and the reason why I love that question is I like looking at what other companies do and what they do really well, um, because I think that's important to understand. So if you look at folks um, like Enigma iO, I think that they're doing some really great things. Um, but they're geared towards a different audience than what we are, right? Um, and I think that there's some other folks out there that are also, Doing some really neat things with open data, but not quite in the same space that we are. Um, so again, you, you look at that and you see a constantly evolving landscape. Where I love looking at other folks, whether they're building apps, whether they're involved in whether it's gov tech or civic tech, what they're doing and how they're doing it, because it's um, it's a growing area, but it's a really it's a hard for area to get business and to win the trust and the respect of of folks in terms of working with government.
1: So any tips on business development if, it's a, if you're in this tough space?
0: Um, yeah, and it may sound simple, but build relationships and show respect to everyone. Um, do your homework. Boring but important advice, um, but that really matters because in government, at least, there are some folks that have been there for many, many years. They understand how and why things were assembled. Build relationships with them, even though their title may not be the fanciest one. Uh, They might end up being your internal champion, whereas the person who's got the big name is like, yeah, I got a line out the door, but you didn't pay attention to the three people over here who actually make decisions with me. And folks notice that, but also, and and I can't underscore this enough, do your homework, know who you're talking to, what else is going on, because if you haven't spent the time and courtesy of doing that, why should they give you the opportunity? Because there'll be six more people saying, I'm willing to work harder than you are, and I'm going to do that work. If you're not willing to, don't cry about it you know it's like it's tough tough love but somebody behind you is willing to work harder you got to be willing to say i'm going to i am going to outwork we're going to be at a higher standard than anybody else we're going to pay more attention to detail and we're going to solve this problem so thoroughly that you will have no choice but to say wow i need to work with these folks again
1: what was your uh, customer acquisition strategy and-
0: for mind my business uh, yeah okay so for mind my business my first 100 customers i actually went door to door Talked to folks and said, you know, thank you for your feedback and stuff. And then actually went in and said, like, so we made this for you. Would you be willing to try it out? Um and that was kind of exciting, especially when, you know, you have somebody walking up to the cash register like, okay, you know, here. I'm like, no, you can actually subscribe through the app store. It's okay. But um, that was that was kind of powerful. And then after that, what we did um, was we used the power of open data to actually acquire more customers. So we brought in several hundreds of more customers by using targeted email profiles to say, here's a live snapshot for your business right here and right now. Are you interested? And folks are like, Ooh, this is wicked cool because it's not like, hey, this, you know, long blah, blah, blah narrative. It's like, this is what's happening on the corner of Pearl and Maiden where I am. That matters.
1: That matters a lot. So yeah. So your customer acquisition strategy very much, I want to say, mirrored your product development strategy. You were out there knocking door to door, talking yeah. to people who own shops and stores.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So certainly in the small business vertical, that's what we did. In terms of like working with governments and larger enterprises, again, it's high touch build relationships. Um, And that counts for a lot because we've gotten a lot of feedback that folks noticed you paid attention and you looked at it like you came in as knowledgeable instead of, hi, I'm a vendor hawking a solution. But I empathize with your problem and here's where we see an opportunity to help shine out the work that your team has been doing for so long. Can we talk more about it?
1: It's this is like so great hearing this from you because there's so many times I've had conversations with um you know it's it's been the some the person inside the big company yeah. and they've had pitches from startups and the startups have um not come in understanding the problem of the company you know yeah. it, 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 they're they're like oh here we've got this great technology with all these you know bangs and whistles and all the rest of it but but instead of saying I understand and I have studied right your issue government or i understand your problem yep. small business let's talk and he, how would this work as a solution for you
0: well yeah cuz it's a lot easier to just talk track and give you the glossy and here's the pretty powerpoint and you know we we made all the fonts wonderful and look we've got a witty line as different from let me do the hard work and the homework of actually understanding what's going on here, and what am I willing to bring forth as a solution, right? So when you come to the table and say, we've looked at this, we thought about this, here's an example of a rapid prototype of what we may be able to do, folks are like, whoa, whoa, without, like, me giving anything, like, they came to the table, like, they want to help me? Go on. Um, Because that's the exception.
1: And I look at that as that's the opportunity. Being the exception is the opportunity. Well,
0: trust is earned, and trust is earned through hard work. Um, That's something just philosophically that I believe. If you earn thr- trust through hard work, folks
1: will want to continue to work with you again and again. So I remember standing on the platform on the Blue Line in Chicago, very early one morning, <laughs> getting my butt out to O'Hare, and in my half-sleep haze, looked up and I saw one of your ads uh, for Mind My Business, uh, which was one of those very cool moments. Uh, where do you see? Where do you see your company? Where do you see Vizalytics in the next? Five years, 10 years.
0: In the next five to 10 years, I absolutely want us to be in hundreds of cities throughout the world. Um, Our goal is by the end of 2016 to be in 20 cities here in the States, plus a few other internationally. We're working on closing some deals overseas, excited about that, and to continue to grow. What I want to do is I want to change the conversation with open data, just the way that weather and traffic are something that you wouldn't possibly go out without checking and knowing first. I want to change that conversation, and I want to put these shopkeepers in pole position for that. And there's a lot of other things that we can do with government governments, um, and in working with the enterprise. But really what we want to do is make a difference for these local businesses so they feel the digital divide is closed because someone decided, I'm going to honor you first. And guess what?
1: There's actually a business in that. Love it. Thank Love you. it. There's some examples of some decisions you made that you feel has contributed to your success? Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. Yeah, it's not a full answer on this one. <laughs> oh um, no, 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 no! I'm. I'm sure you, you
0: caught me off guard on that one. I'm thinking like uh, decisions that contributed to success. Um, being decisive. Right? When someone asks you something, right? So thinking back to the 500 Startups interview, you know, they said, like, okay, you guys are husband wife team. I understand you got teenagers. If you were accepted, would you come out here or what would it be? It's like, no, no, we're here. Don't worry about it. Grandma's got the kids. We're cool. And I'm like, boom, on the spot. Um, and also being in pitch meetings where I have an opportunity talking with a potential client, like, can you do this? Can you do this? Like, yes, we can. Here's what we're able to. The ability to think on your feet. Um, probably the best decision that I made uh, sometimes is knowing when not to listen. Because we had plenty of folks say, why would you bother to do this and working with little businesses? You could do these other things and whatever and content marketing. I'm like, no, this is what I want to do. Um, so probably the best decision that I made was sticking with the vision that I've got in here and I've had for a long time. And, and the other half of it is building strong relationships with people that I respect um, because then when hard times come, you can kind of pick up your bat phone to your network of folks to say, "So today's a tough day, and we will get through this." However, can I just go for a sec? Yeah, do I?
1: Can I have an ear ear for a minute? Yes,
0: and then like, okay, now what? Let's strategize. But building those relationships is
1: so key. So, is there a moment that you think you know, in terms of being an entrepreneur, a moment that you really think of as as something that was a failure and um, or, you know, less than perfect, or, you know, however you want to think about that word, failing and failure. Um, how'd you handle it and what'd you learn from it?
0: So everybody makes mistakes. Um, I don't think you should fret about making mistakes. It's more like, what do you do next, right? Um, because everybody's going to flub up somewhere somehow. And it's it's how you handle that. You know, so I look back and say, well, you know, actually, could have prepared a little bit better here, or I didn't walk in understanding enough of the particular biases. Um, Probably a mistake that that I made a little bit later on was um, eh, maybe calling out biases in an unkind way instead of in a thoughtful way to say, let's build a bridge, um, because that can be a challenge. And if you put someone in a position where they feel like they're cornered, you're not building a relationship. Whereas if you say, Mm, I hear you, but can we think about it this way? That's more effective. And as I get further along, um, absolutely want to focus on what do you do to build things going forward instead of um, just slam things kind of going down. Because to quote um, a, a comment that Jeff Bezos made in a commencement speech, it's more important to be kind than it is to be right. And when you think about the long term and really long term of how you build business, you're better off being kind um, than being because you need those people. And if you want to work together, you've got to start from a place of together instead of friction.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that quote. That's fantastic. All right, now we get to uh, the fun part. Not that the rest of this wasn't fun. Yeah. So we're going to get to our pay-it-forward questions. Yes. Uh, So... uh, i ask if, ask everyone these questions so' fire down this list righty home yeah uh, you know, home stretch on all of this so we try like to keep this like to keep this part fast okay. so what are your primary sources of information? My primary sources of information oh gosh, I'm an avid
0: reader I'm everywhere i'm on I, All sorts of news sites, Twitter, everything, going to open data, following other people to see, like, what's going on. So I'm an avid and mad reader of everything I can, from newspaper to digital to what have you to, I don't know, Dilbert
1: as well. (laughs) Anything that that hits you. What book are you reading?
0: What book am I reading right now? Um, I'm rereading The Hard Thing About Hard Things because it's that kind of week.
1: Okay. Do you have any rituals or habits you swear by? Uh, Coffee in the morning and wine at night. (laughs) I like those rituals. Who are three uh, entrepreneurs or leaders you uh, you admire? So, oh, there are
0: so many. Um, I admire you for all the things that you do in terms of going forward. Um, I admire maybe some people that aren't necessarily famous, like, wow, here millions of people know about them, um, but who've made tremendous sacrifices to create um, what maybe are... Small things, but that make a difference. Um, A young woman that I know, she does uh, parties for um, homeless children. And she's done close to 175 of them over the past year and a half. Now, she's not necessarily someone who's like world acclaimed or anything, but she's brought together networks of moms and they bake cakes and they get presents and they do this to give this opportunity to these children.
1: Um, What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: Best advice I've ever received, Hmm, hard to distill that down into one, um, but probably know how to listen. And that means how to listen and how to not listen and how to get folks to share.
1: I love it. Are there any particular myths that you would like to dispel for our listeners?
0: Um, In terms of being an entrepreneur, it is really hard. It is not sexy. There is a lot of boring but unimportant slog work that you must do. So if you're there for the guts and glory, put that away and think, are you willing to do this and commit to this for five years, for seven years, for nine years? And if that doesn't scare you, go ahead. If you're looking for, then maybe not.
1: Any words of advice you would give listeners about taking risks and closing the confidence gap?
0: Absolutely do not be afraid to take risks. Don't do stupid things just for the sake of ha ha ha, let me do this. Um, But in terms of the confidence gap, so much of it is how much do you walk in there like, I want this, I want to own this, I'm going to do this instead of Oh my goodness, I'm so intimidated by this person. Am I good enough to talk to them? Like, they're just a person too. You have to walk in there and say, "This is why I want to have a conversation with you. This is what we're doing that's valuable." So, closing the confidence gap, believe in yourself. Don't let someone talk down to you because you're a woman, because you're a certain age, because you're a certain ethnicity, because, you know, someone said to me like, "Oh, well, you didn't go to a pedigree school." Well, yeah, I went to the City University of New York, and when I was there, Allen Ginsberg was there, and that was kind of a good thing, you know, like you could actually take a class with him. So, Don't let anybody put you down. Um, And if folks are trying to put you down, that's the wrong circle. Be in the circle with folks that bring
1: you up. Is there a female entrepreneur you can tell us about who's under the radar and we should know about them?
0: I would love if you would talk to D.B. Lampman. She's the co-founder of the Staten Island Makerspace, and the Staten Island Makerspace is doing some amazing things. They not only have CNC shop, they have welding and wine classes, they have sewing classes. They actually have something called the Staten Island Makerspace Steam Wagon, which is a mobile truck that goes around to schools that don't necessarily have STEM or STEAM programs and let the students be able to do things, whether it's build with Arduino or understanding, like, how to work and tinker.
1: So last question, what does think broad mean to you?
0: Think broad means go long and go deep and do not stop.
1: Thank you, Eileen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Broad Mike. We welcome your feedback. Find us on Facebook where you will have show notes and additional references for a deeper dive into today's topic. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Please review our podcast on iTunes, which will help other listeners discover Broadmic and grow the Broadmic community. Broadmic is produced by Christy Mirabell with editing by John Marshall Media. Our executive producer is Sarah Weinheimer. Think Broad.